please make sure that your seatbelt securely fastened. At this time, I ask that all portable electronic devices be turned off. Thank you. everyone welcome to this week's installment of the vagabond exchange coming to you from a dining room somewhere in nashville tennessee i'm emily sitting across from the uh ragtag william who <laughs> <laughs> sustained a minor head injury, injury this morning in uh, preparation of this podcast that's right yeah. so if you hear him get a little woozy don't worry. If I slur my words, then <laughs> it's just not like because any of other the podcasts. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, we've been we've had a little bit of a break, I guess. Yeah, hiatus. a couple of weeks mm-hmm. because you've. I was traveling. Yes. And we didn't. Where feel did like you doing go? <laughs> just kidding. I went to uh, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. Lovely little area called Chelmsford. Why? For work, for training. Like you don't know, <laughs> but it wasn't for pleasure, so that's that's always a little bit of a. Stinker. But you had a good time. I did have a good time. I learned a lot, and I did get to see some sights. So that's good. It was not for naught. What what, <laughs> what was the temperature like? It was uh, it was chilly but sunny, mm. so I don't mind it when it's cold and sunny. There was one day that we got a light dusting. However, I was there during the. Um, snow crisis of 2010 when baltimore and washington dc got hit with all that the first snow time. yes and so i had a bit of a finagle that i had to go through to get out of manchester new hampshire which is where i flew in and out of which by the way i've flown in and out of manchester before and <laughs> this time i don't know what they have done but if any terrorists are trying to get in or out of manchester I wish you the best of luck because those TSA agents take their job seriously. Everyone got patted down. I don't think I told you this. No. Everyone got patted down coming in and out of the security line. When I got there, it was really early. My flight was leaving at like 8, so I got into the airport rather early because I wasn't sure about returning a rental and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm in line. There's only about six people total in the whole line. It took me probably 30 minutes to get through wow. security because... No one was getting through security. They're like, I mean, they li- they literally pat everyone down. Like they had to like, and they had to call like the appropriate gender of TSA agent, depending on who was coming up through the line. Mm-hmm. So if you were male, they had to call a male guard. If you were a female, they had to call a female guard. So it took quite a, quite a while, and they were not. I mean, like it was just very. Uh, sort of looking for so, intrusive. Oh, intrusive. <laughs> yeah. Well. So, but I'm glad. I mean, I don't care. Yeah. As long as you're not sneaking things onto the plane. So, yeah, that was my my big weekend, my big week. I was there for a whole week. I know. You were missed by me and everyone at work. Yes. You're a popular person. (laughs) Am I? Yeah, you are. (laughs) In a good way. Thanks. I appreciate that. They're like, where's that whore? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were. Just, you know, not not during work. Yeah, right. It's when the horror hours are not at their peak. How was your week? This uh, past week? Yeah. It was very good. Yeah, this past week. Yeah. It was excellent. Great week. I did. 
We watched the Super Bowl together. We did with my uh, father. Yes. Who actually managed to stay awake during the whole game. <laughs> he does have a hard time, but we were as uh, there wasn't as much food involved this time. That's true. There was plenty of snacks, though. There were plenty of he, snacks. Your dad enjoys the snacks. He does, but he really like devoured those sun chips. I got sun chips for you. Yeah. And my dad just ran through them like the Tasmanian devil. Well, that's okay. I wanted your dad to have a good time. Yeah. And he did. He did have a good time. Your dad also enjoys every commercial. He does. We should talk about the commercials. What we was, should talk uh, about the commercials. What was your favorite? My favorite was the Google commercial. Which one was that? It was the one where um, it's. it was very simple, and I think that's why I liked it. But they had a – it just displayed, like, the Google search page. And at first it was oh, like a yeah. – it was just like a series of searches. Like, um, like it started out traveling abroad, um, spending like a, a summer affair. in Paris. Yeah, yeah. basically. And, it, like, the searches all all centered around – I don't. I think it was a guy, obviously. Um, but it was, like, going to France and then how to – how to uh, court a French woman? What right. do French women like? Uh, buying French things, and then it was like getting a job in Paris. Yeah, how to how to move to Paris? Um, how to get married in Paris? And then the last one was uh, how to assemble a crib. Right. It was very cute. That was cute. I like that. And one. it was very innovative without being. It, there weren't a lot of bells and whistles to it. It was right. cool. Yeah, it touched your sentimental side. Yes, yeah. that was probably my favorite. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I like the uh, Snickers commercial with Betty White. <laughs> yeah, that was Ava good, too. Goda and the E-Trade. The, the babies are always funny. Yes. With the girl that was a milkaholic or yeah. a little baby. Milka what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was pretty so, good. But overall, the commercials were a little bit weak this year. That's what I think the consensus was. Yeah. We discussed it at work this week, and everyone was on the same page. Yeah. So, so better luck next year. But the game was good. The game was good, and my team won. So yes. that was also that was excellent. Good. Yes, yeah. it was a good game. Mm-hmm. A good time was had by all. <laughs> yes, except for Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> call, call them ambulance, Peyton Manning. Yeah. That's what I say. Doofus. <laughs> <laughs> We're not underwater anymore. It's finally time for the nation to notice that New Orleans is on top once again. So uh, last weekend, we went and saw Edge of Darkness, which stars Mel Gibson and some other people. <laughs> yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember any other. It's got like some, some B-list Some recognizable faces. Yeah, like I, mean, I one, wouldn't even say B-list, just a lot of supporting characters that you've seen and other stuff. Yeah, like one guy was a bad guy in uh, The Departed, but I can't remember his name. He was like Jack Nicholson's. A right-hand man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the guy who plays a governor or a senator, I don't remember, he plays, he's on that sitcom Modern Family. He plays a dad. Hmm. So there's just a couple. I didn't recognize anybody else besides Mel Gibson. Yeah. I mean, I recognize them, but I not by name. Right. By face. Right. And uh, Edge of Darkness is a story about a dad who... Um, Invites his daughter in for, I guess, a, a stay. And they're also from Boston, so it's very heavy on the accents. body Boston, Southie accents, right. which is kind of stereotypical. Anyway, um, and his daughter comes in, and it's obvious that something's wrong with her because she's ill. And um, as they're leaving to go to the hospital, she gets murdered. Right. 
and as the story kind of unfolds, he, he, this man's a cop. And so he thinks, he and sort of the police force think that he's the one being targeted. But as it turns out, he sort of unfolds a story about his daughter. And she was working in Washington, D.C. for a, a company that made nuclear-type stuff. And so he tries to solve her murder. Yep. <sighs> You make it sound a lot more interesting than well, it Well, the, the plot is very interesting. It is. It sounds like it's going to be cool, but it wasn't. <laughs> no. It was uncool. And we must say that we had people that came into the movie yeah. about 10 minutes after. As soon as the people walked in, 10 minutes after the movie started, I knew we were in trouble. Trouble, yeah. Because anytime somebody walks in that late, they don't really care about seeing the movie. Exactly. And it wasn't just 20 minutes. There were people that came in literally through the entire first half of the movie. Right. In and out of the movie theater. I don't know what was going on that night. Well, when the, the people came in and there were two couples. Yeah. And they, I thought they were together because I thought they, they walked in They came in, in together. together. And they sat in the back corner. And I said, if they talk, I'm just going to go out immediately and say something. Yeah. But then two of them moved. So yeah. it was like in stereo. Yeah. And I'm still thinking, you know, I'm going to get up and say something. I thought about the whole movie. Yeah. But then I said, you know, first of all, what are they going to do? Right. And then second of all, and then this other couple comes in. So now we have three couples in there right. with this one girl that's all giggly. So And on her cell phone. like right. like ta- And all of them were talking as if you and I are talking right now. Yeah. There was no hushed tone. And I know you didn't pick up on this, but the couple that was – and both of them, I think they were together. I think it was two couples. And I think they came in just to – I think they were on like – Exactly. <laughs> and so there was a couple to our left behind us who was enjoying themselves. Right. Which is really nice. And so I was so distracted and irritated by that. I don't know that. It may that. have affected the enjoyment of the yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so I'll give I'll give Mel Gibson that. Also, Mel Gibson is getting old. He is getting old. He's getting lines. A lot of lines in his face. And, and his, his ears are getting like <laughs> saucers. Grandpa ears. Yeah. And he's so. got like a little baby now, too. Yeah. Which is weird to me. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Like I said, the 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 plot you would think would be would be pretty good. That story would be cool. The writing was bad. Yeah, the writing and so was, that was bad. That that and you know how like I can't contain my laughter when writing's bad. Right. So I'm like laughing <laughs> during parts that are very serious and right. tense. And um, plus, there were some things that happened. Like there's a scene where this girl gets out of a car after she's talking to him, and something happens, and I'm like. You know, you really got to time that pretty well for this particular thing to happen. Exactly. So, yeah, it didn't. It never grabbed me, and I don't know if it was one because of the other distractions, or, right, or what. But yeah, it was very violent. It was. Which I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old or something. But I just can't. I, I can't it, watch it the same way. Maybe when violence is like well done as part of a good story, and there's good writing, it doesn't seem as. as well, it's uh, like Inglorious Bastards was very violent. But I didn't feel like it was violent. Well, that, see, that's the thing. Right. You were probably so into the movie, um, and the violence didn't, it wasn't, I mean, it was shocking because you it think of somebody getting It didn't seem gratuitous. It didn't seem like a, a gimmick. I feel like the violence in this movie was like, it, there wasn't anything else to hold your attention, so we'll throw some really graphic stuff in there. Yeah, that's and it was it unnecessary. Felt. Right. Maybe when somebody's killing Nazis, you're like, whatever, do whatever you got to do. So... Yeah, I didn't really enjoy the movie. Um, I always have to mention music. There was a scene where there's a Charlie Parker record playing, so yeah. that's my favorite part of, of the movie. Otherwise, I would say maybe rent it when it comes out on yeah. DVD. Yeah. I liked the um, 
the woman who played the daughter. I liked her, but she's only in it for a little while because yeah. she gets killed. She was good. Yeah. I wish there would have been more with her. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and give our, our rankings and compare them to imdb.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give this a five. Um, I would give it a five. <laughs> 7.1. Wow. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. We will say this was Mel Gibson's comeback of sorts. So I think a lot of people went to see it out of curiosity. Yeah. You, you know. Although it, it, it's not making as much money as they... Anticipated? Yeah. It's kind of a dud. But yep. Indeed anyway. it is. <laughs> okay, so that's that movie. And then yesterday we went to see Wolfman. We did see the Wolfman. With starring Benicio Del Toro. Emily Blunt, Anthony Hopkins. Yep. That's all I know. Yeah, who was the, uh, there was a... The police yeah, sergeant. Yeah, that was a guy from The Matrix, wasn't it? Yeah, I've seen him in other stuff, I just don't know his, his name. Yeah, he was good, too. He was good. He's a good actor. They were all, that was the thing with his movie, it was a bunch of great actors. Bad right. movie. Right. Bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> um... And basically, I, I don't know, you might have to give the synopsis of this one because I don't know. Um, it's based on a comic book and I don't really know much about well, it. Well, it, I don't know if it's based on a comic book because it's... I thought um, it was based on a comic. Wolfman's been around in a long time. Has it? Yeah, because, you know, Lon Chaney, was it Lon Chaney Jr. played it, the the role? And Somebody told me it was based on a comic. Maybe it is. Um, but that person could be wrong. I don't really know how to give the synopsis without, but basically Benicio Del Toro comes into town because his brother's been killed. Right, by a beast. By a beast that is, um, you know, terrorizing the, the town. Right. And he comes to investigate it, and in the investigation, one thing leads to another, he happens to get attacked. Right. And he uh, becomes a wolfman. <laughs> and in the meantime, he's kind of a... I don't know. How how would you describe his relationship with Emily Blunt? Emily Blunt plays the wife of his brother. Yeah. Yeah. The fiance of his brother. Oh, the fiance. Yeah. And uh, so they kind of. They uh, sort of have a courtship of sorts, sorts. I guess. Sort yeah. of love out of tragedy. Right. That old story. And Anthony Hopkins is the, plays Benicio Del Toro's, Toro's father. Right. And uh, he has a couple of secrets of his own. Right. Which will all come into play later. Right. And uh, Benicio Del Toro <laughs> on occasion gets a little angry. Right. And changes. Maybe ar- around the time that the moon is the full. The moon is full. Just happens Or, you know, he's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically it. Yep. And so you've seen the movie before if you've ever seen Wolfman movies. And I think everyone knows the general premise of, right. like, werewolves and m- men who turn into animals. Right. It's like Harry Potter, Teen Wolf. American Werewolf in London and Paris and America. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And the Wolfman. Yeah. So I didn't enjoy this movie. Yeah. One, it was very boring. It was like drawn out. I don't know if it was because the writing was bad. I just, I got tired and I didn't want to watch it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, and we... I'm sure this bores you guys when you hear this, but there were people. Somebody was in the theater eating like a cheeseburger. <laughs> it smelled it like ketchup. F- it filled the whole theater with like burgerish stench. Yeah, it was nasty. Anyway, but yeah, I, I didn't like it that much either. Mm-hmm. And to think that with those kind of that caliber, because I mean, you got 
at least Benicio del, del Toro and Anthony Hopkins are Academy Award winners. Right. Emily Blunt was at least nominated for a Golden Globe. These are all really good actors. Yeah, who are pr- held in pretty high regards. Right. But uh, and I Benicio- think the concept of it was probably really cool. Like, I'm sure that was what kind of got them to sign on. Yeah. Well, and they had a, another director originally. Oh. And he wanted to go one way with it. And when the next guy came in, he wanted to go the other Completely. way. Where Really? Yeah. Initially... I think the Benicio del Toro character was had like demons of his own. He wasn't necessarily a good guy. Really? Yeah. Huh. And I think the second director wanted to go towards more towards what the original movie did. Okay. So. Hmm. Benicio del Toro has Toro has a very interesting face. He does. It's good to look at, but he he's kind of a monotone guy. Yeah. So you you really have to uh, the movie has to be really good. Right, the, the the writing and stuff, or right. else it'll make the film kind of monotone. I just, I think his he has a very quiet intensity. Right. So he, playing like a beast, I don't think is really his cup of tea. I'm, I like him much better in movies that are uh, character driven. Yes. Yeah. And so if it's dialogue heavy, like he can really express emotion when it's on kind of a more normal level of what you would expect from a human being. Right. I didn't like him in this role. Yeah. I didn't either. And I have to say, I know Anthony Hopkins is, like, really great or whatever, but he annoys me sometimes. I I guess it's just, like, I feel like he does the same thing in every movie. Like, even regardless of the character, he always always just plays, like, kind of an arrogant, like, know-it-all. I feel like he's like that in real life, and I don't like him. Yeah. I think it fits for some movies. But not every movie. I mean, he does it in every movie. That's what... Yeah, but I mean, like Silence of the Lambs, that was a little bit different. Even though he wasn't arrogant, no, at all. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, it was he. He it did well in that capacity. There's an intensity there that you don't really get in other in films other where he's just kind of a snarky, right, British dude. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and Emily Blunt's a cutie, but you know, she's not like. But that uh, can't make up for like a terrible movie. No, but you know. She's kind of an unconventional beauty. Yeah. That's why she's I not like her. A, yeah. She's not like a... Glamorous who, kind of... Yeah. I don't... Although she can be. She's cute. Yeah. Anyway, both of us didn't care for this film. Yeah. Um, I would give it a... Probably a 6.1. I'd give it a four and a half. Really? Yeah. There's you very... liked it less than Edge of Darkness. Yes. There's very few movies that like I'm just so completely disappointed by. 6.9. See, I will say that the special effects were really to me. They were really good. Yeah, you didn't like the special effects when I, he was changing. Yeah, the cha- that was the only part that I liked. Though. Yeah, I'm not talking. I about I thought the like, wolf face looked like I thought I was like we're watching Teen Wolf. Well, That's when he I was running like. and stuff like that, that didn't really grab me. No, but when he was actually going through the yeah. metamorphosis or whatever, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, like when they're in this room with all these doctors and he, he changes changes yeah. into. But once again, like a ton of gratuitous violence. There was a lot like, of blood and, and entrails. Like guts, and, yeah. yeah. So there you go. You can skip Edge of Darkness or wait for it on DVD and you can skip the Wolfman. I would say rent Edge of Darkness if Wolfman is on like like TBS or something and you're cleaning and like don't really have to pay attention to it, then right. you could watch it then maybe. <laughs> or just clean. Right. <laughs> or turn on the radio. Right. So what do we have coming up? What are we what are we looking at? Well we got um Shutter Island next week. Right. 
and then we're uh, we want to see the um, cop cop out. What's yes, the name of the cop out with Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis. Yeah. Bruce. So and there's lots of cool stuff coming up in March. So Alice in Wonderland comes out in March. I think. I know. So, so stay tuned. And Wall Street, right? Wall Street. Yes, the second the sequel. Yep. Oh, and uh, we saw a preview with uh, Jude Law and Forrest that Whitaker pretty called Repo Man. Badass. Yeah, that looked pretty cool. Looks. Yeah. Today is Simon Pegg's birthday. Simon Pegg was born on Valentine's Day, and yeah. he's 40. I love Simon Pegg. Yeah, he's good. He's fantastic. We watched a movie with him in it. With uh, David Schwimmer. Yeah, what was that called? Big something. Big Nothing. Big Nothing. That was a good movie. Pretty entertaining. It was a little indie film. Yeah, very short, kind yeah. of just right to the point. I'd recommend it though if you get Netflix or yeah, you know if you're just bored one weekend, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's funny. Now Emily and I had made a promise to make sure that we watched all the nominees for Best Picture. Right. So it was kind of surprising that when the nominations came out, we had already seen all. It the was Best Picture nominees. Um, so we want to run through with. What and who they are? Sure. Um, well, as you know, the nominees category for Best Picture has been opened up to ten movies instead of just five, right. which I was a little annoyed when I heard that. But when I saw the list, these were all pretty great movies. So I'm not like, I mean, there's some in here that I I don't think should be in, but I I can see the the argument for having ten because I can name ten really mm-hmm. good movies. I just don't think they all made this list. No, but I, I could name, I mean, I could substitute some of these for other great movies that right. I saw this year. So anyway, the list includes Avatar, The Blind Side, District 9, and Education, The Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards, uh, Precious, A Serious Man, Up, and Up in the Air, all of which we've seen. We have. So are you going to make a prediction? And this is kind of tough. Yes, it because is. Because I saw Up in the Air again, and I... I really love that movie. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with The Hurt Locker, mainly because I think it should win, mm-hmm. and also because Catherine Bigelow is the ex-wife of James Cameron, and yes. I would love just to see her beat him. Yes. What about you? It's a tough call for me between The Hurt Locker and Up in the Air, but the the one that I emotionally want to win the most is The Hurt Locker. Yeah. And the movie that I think gripped me the most is The Hurt Locker. I loved Up in the Air, but Up in the Air didn't make me want to, like, reevaluate my life. (laughs) So. No, Up in the Air just confirmed things for me. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But I do, I did love, I really liked The Hurt Locker. It did grip me. Yeah. Up in the Air, though, is probably my favorite movie of the year. I just have to be honest. But I think The Hurt Locker technically should win. I concur. Um, while we're on this category, I just want to say two movies that I, I don't that could have fallen out of this category and it would have wouldn't have bothered bothered me mm-hmm. are The Blind Side and District Nine. What about a serious man? I can understand why because it hit some people in a kind of cerebral way. Yeah, a serious man is. There's a part of me that just feels like maybe I missed something, so I don't want to judge it too harshly. To knock it out. Yeah. Um, but I think The Informant could have made this list. And the I, Informant, 500 Days of Summer, I yeah. thought of that one too. And I think A Single Man could have made this list. Easily. Yeah. And see, I would put A Single Man in before A Serious Man. Oh, I would too. It just doesn't bother me as much 
as the blind, blind side, side of District 9. The blind side bothers me the most. Yeah, me too. District 9, I thought, had a very poignant message. Right. So I can see, I could see that one being in there. Yeah. A serious man? I don't know. The more... Um, I don't know. It just seemed very narcissistic. Yeah, and, and self-indulgent. Maybe, right. Yeah. And maybe that's... I guess you get to do that, but I don't know. So those three, I, I, I would knock out. And you're right about it, District 9, because if you think about it, District 9 and Avatar kind of had the same themes, mm-hmm. but District 9 was a better movie. Right. So. I will be really annoyed if Avatar wins. I will be too, because I think the Academy Awards are, you're judged by your peers. Right. So these actors and directors, mm-hmm. I hope they recognize that The Hurt Locker is really an just, artistic achievement. I feel like it's artistic achievement, but I feel like it's probably one of the most, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but just the portrayal of truth. Right. Like that is, it's like the ultimate truth. Yeah. And one I of the most poignant films made about the Iraqi war that right. I've seen. Right. You know, that wasn't a documentary. Um, yeah. Uh, best performance by an actor in a leading role. Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart. George Clooney for Up in the Air. Uh, Colin Firth for a single man, Morgan Freeman for Invictus, and Jeremy Renner for The Hurt Locker. And we've seen all of these except for Morgan Freeman's performance in Invictus. Invictus. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> at the end of last year, I would have said Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart. Mm-hmm. But the more after we saw Colin Firth in a single man, and the more I've like reflected and thought about that movie, I, I want him to win. I do. I want him to win, but I think Jeff Bridges. I wouldn't be upset if Jeff Bridges or Jeremy Renner won, but... I wouldn't be upset if any of them won, except for George Morgan Freeman, because I haven't seen it. But, yeah, even yeah. George Clooney... I don't I, know, though. I think, I think... I wouldn't be upset if he won, but I would like to see one oh, of the other three. Colin Firth, Jeff Bridges, or Jeremy Renner win. Yeah, so... But I'm Colin, Firth, Colin Firth, yes. But we both agree that Jeff Bridges will probably take it. You if it's so? by a jury of your peers yeah. and he's been around for... Well, and I, I think uh, I've read articles that Colin Firth is considered to be kind of a jackass. Oh. Like amongst... Uh, like he's really rude and bad to work with. Oh, really? I've read that before. Huh. But that was years ago after he did Bridget Jones's diary. So uh, maybe he's evolved better. a bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so best performance by an actress in a leading role. We have, of course, Sandra Bullock for The Blind Side. Uh, Helen Mirren for The Last Station, Carrie Mulligan for An Education, Gabri Sidibe for Precious, and Meryl Streep for Julie and Julia. Yeah, We've seen all of these except for The Last Station. Right, which Uh, I really want to see, actually. I do, too. Um, I'm going to go for Meryl Streep. Yeah, that's who I would pick, too. That's not really I can see it going one of two ways. I could see Gabri Sidibe picking it up, though. I can't Just see her it, picking it up. It's trendy. Like, it's, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. Okay. Yeah. I really wouldn't be not seeing Helen Mirren. Well, yeah, I want Meryl Streep to win. I'd be disappointed if she didn't. Okay. When are the Academy Awards? March, sometime in March. Okay. Yeah. A couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role. Matt Damon for Invictus. Woody Harrelson for The Messenger. Christopher Plummer for The Last Station, Stanley Tucci for The Lovely Bones, and Christoph Waltz for Inglorious Bastards. And we've only seen a couple of these, so I feel bad making a... Yeah. Oh, Christoph Waltz, out of the two that I saw between him and Stanley Tucci, I would... I would pick him. Pick him, but... Yeah. 
I, I can't imagine he him not winning it. Yeah, especially and if they always say that the Golden Globes are a precursor to the Academy Awards, but right. I yeah. think it, it'll be true in this case, but like with Sandra Bullock winning, I don't think she'll win the Academy Awards. I don't Award. think she will either. I, I don't think she should either. But. I do really want to see Woody Harrelson in The Messenger, though, because yeah. it's kind of a departure for him. Right. And that was here, so we're going to have to wait until it comes out on DVD. It's gone. Okay. Uh, best performance by an actress in a supporting role. Uh, Penelope Cruz for Nine. Vera Farmiga for Up in the Air. Maggie Gyllenhaal for Crazy Heart. Anna Kendrick for Up in the Air, and Monique for Precious. Yeah, this is a this is the only uh, easy one. Mm-hmm. It's Monique. Yeah, yeah, I concur. Uh, best achievement in directing: Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker, James Cameron for Avatar, uh, Lee Daniels for Precious, Jason Reitman for Up in the Air, and Quentin Tarantino for Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, I think we both want that. And I would also love her to say, suck it, James Cameron, yeah. when she wins, too. Yeah. I'll, I'll actually be mortally disappointed <laughs> if she doesn't win that. I thought she got robbed at the Golden Globes. and She did. I'll be pissed if James Cameron wins. Yeah. I actually wouldn't mind if any of those won except James Cameron. Maybe yeah. Precious, but Up in the Air and Glorious Bastards in the Hurt Locker, those are, those are in my top five for last year. Yeah. Uh, best writing screenplay written directly for the screen, The Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards, The Messenger, A Serious Man, and Up. This mm. is a an interesting one. Yeah. And I just noticed. Oh, okay. Up in the Air is adapted. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, what I was like. I was trying to calculate that in my head, too. I didn't realize that they separated those out. Yeah. I don't think they always have, but. That's good, though, because I, I don't think you should contend with others who wrote original Right. Stuff. I agree. Um, for me, I'm going to say Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I thought the writing was better in, was the best in all of those. I haven't seen The Messenger. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Inglorious Bastards. What? Nothing. <laughs> best writing screenplay based on material previously produced or published. And we have District 9 and Education in the Loop, Precious and Up in the Air. I don't, what's in the Loop? I don't know that one. I don't know. I haven't seen that. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, up in the air, obviously. I agree. I like Nick Hornby too, but yeah, he's he's written some good stuff. And the um, writing was pretty good in that movie. Yeah. In education. Yeah. But yes, up in the air. I okay. agree. Uh, best achievement in cinematography: Avatar, Moro Fiore. Fiore. I don't know how to say that. Mm-hmm. Ah, in our favorite movie of this year, <laughs> Das Weiss Bond. Mm-hmm. Ein Dusht Kindergeist. <laughs> Christian Berger, mm-hmm. uh, Berger. Harry Potter, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, Bruno Del Bonal, uh, The Hurt Locker, Barry Aykroyd, who's Dan's brother. Just right. kidding, I don't know. Inglorious Bastards, Robert Richardson. You know, I really liked Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. I thought that was a great. The special effects in those movies are, are like top notch. I don't know that you can can get much better than that, but I, my guess is Avatar will win. I get a little bit confused by cinematography because I think of like landscapes and yeah. actual photography and not special effects. I don't know if they separate those. Is that different? They may it can't be because of avatars in this list. Yeah, because which it's is all really. like CGI. So for me, if I had to pick for cinematography, I'd say The Hurt Locker. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's more natural. 
I'm going to stick with my choice, though, just because Harry, Harry Potter is near and dear to my heart. Well, okay. And I, I didn't see that, so you could Exactly. Uh, <laughs> best achievement in editing. Avatar, District 9, The Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards, and Precious. I don't really feel qualified to make okay. that judgment. <laughs> I'm going to say The Hurt Locker. I get what, what is... Um, okay. Just the way the movie is... Put together? Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I would pick that one, too. Or Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Uh, best Achievement in Art Direction. Avatar, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, which we didn't get a chance to no, see. No, we didn't. Um, nine, Sherlock Holmes and The Young Victoria. Which we also didn't nope. see. Um, just because I'm anti-Avatar, I'm going to go with Sherlock Holmes. Okay. That, yeah, that was good. I'm going to go with Avatar. Okay. Uh, begrudgingly. <laughs> Uh, best achievement in costume design: Bright Star, Janet Patterson; Coco Avant Chanel, which is Avant is before Chanel; um, Catherine Leterrier; The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus; Monique Prudhomme; Nine, uh, Colleen Atwood; and the Young Victoria, Sandy Powell. I don't know any of those people, but I, I feel either. like you're they good deserve though. kudos. Yeah, you're reading the names. That's good. Um, since I've only seen nine. I don't know. I don't. I shouldn't make him. Yeah, this is tough because we've only seen one of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the Young Victoria because it's a period piece. So. And I bet Coco Avant Chanel has some great stuff too. Yeah. So I don't know. Best achievement in makeup. Also underqualified for this. Yep. <laughs> Il Divo, Aldo Aldo Signoretti, and Vittorio Sodano. Star Trek Barney Ber- Berman, Mindy Hall, and Joel Harlow. Young Victoria, John Henry Gordon, and Jenny Shakur. 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 Uh, Shakur. I'm going to pass on this one. Yeah, me too. Because I haven't seen. We just saw Star Trek, and that was so long ago. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> uh, best achievement in music written for motion pictures, original score. Oh. Avatar, James Horner, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Al- Alexandre Desplat. The Hurt Locker, Marco Beltrami, yeah. Buck Sanders, Sherlock Holmes, Hans Zimmer, and Up, Michael Giacchino. I'm going to go with Up on that I'm one. I'm going with we Up We talked all about the this. That yes. was great. Yeah. Beautiful We've music. seen all of those, so. Yeah. Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Pictures, Original Song, Crazy Heart, T-Bone, T-Bone Burnett, mm-hmm. Ryan Bingham, uh, F- Fulberg. Fallberg, 36, Reinhard Wagner, Wagner, Frank Thomas, <laughs> 9, Maury Yeston, The Princess and the Frog. Oh, the actual songs are The Weary Kind for Crazy Heart, Lo- Something Else Lo- for Fallberg, Take It All for 9, Almost There by Randy Newman for The Princess and the Frog, and Down in New Orleans by Randy Newman for The Princess and the Frog. Not seeing The Princess and the Frog, I bet those are pretty good songs. Yeah. I'm going to go with Crazy Heart. I think it'll I work. love that song. I listen to it like almost every day when I get into work. It's a good song. Yeah. Uh, best Achievement in Sound Mixing. <laughs> this is where I, I don't really yeah, know stuff. Do we want to go over all this stuff? No, but we should say, see, there's Best Achievement in Visual Effects. That's where uh, I think Avatar should be. Yes, work. that's where I think they need to stay there. What's Best Animated Feature Film of the Year? We should talk about that. Uh, we have Coraline. Um, Henry Selleck, Fantastic Mr. Fox is Wes Anderson, The Princess and the Frog, John Musker and Ron Clements, uh, The Secret of Kells, Tom Moore, 
and Up by Peter Doctor. I'm going to go with Up on that one again. Uh, I agree. Uh-huh. Although, do you think a movie should be able to be nominated, I guess so, for Best Picture and Best Animated no. Feature? No. Because I think it's like being nominated in two categories for the same award. Okay. But that's just me. Um, and we will say the the band or the the band the uh, movie that we've made fun of because of its utterly German name, yeah, Das Weiss Bond, mm-hmm. um, won best foreign language film for Golden the Golden Globe, right? And so we we would like to actually see that now that we've made fun of it. Yes, and it's going to be here next week, right. so we, we should definitely have to see that. We, we should. You didn't think it was funny when I said that in German to you? What? I said we should see it, <laughs> and you <laughs> didn't, didn't hear, respond. I didn't hear that. Um. Yeah. Everything else. Best well, best do- documentary. Oh, yeah, we should talk about documentaries. Yeah. Because we saw um the Cove. Oh, and Food Inc. We need to watch that. Yeah. Because that's actually available to us. The Cove was good, but I don't. I haven't seen any of these. I other hear ones. Food Inc.'s really good. Yeah, we need to watch that. I think it's available on uh, Watch TV. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll be watching as always. If you'd like to come to Emmeline Williams' Oscar party, you can email us at vagabondexchange at gmail.com. You can. If you want to email us, then we'll actually have an Oscar party. We will. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, William? We will. We'll provide uh, finger foods <laughs> and hand puppets. And, and fingers. <laughs> right. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So, William subscribes to Vanity Fair magazine, and I was watching, um, it was, I think it was like Inside Edition, some, or not even that good of a news magazine show, something mm. much trashier. And they were talking about the, uh, the March cover of Vanity Fair. Which um, every year Vanity Fair does kind of a young, fresh faces of Hollywood uh, cover. And this year um, the cover includes, what is it, nine women um, who are fairly, well, fairly new to the the scene or are, are uh, kind of up and comers. But all of them are of the same, around the same age, around the same height they're weight. all skinny white chicks exactly yeah. and they're all the same color so this new magazine that i was watching um talked a little bit about that and and mainly pointed out the fact that there were no women of color no women of over 110 pounds uh etc on the cover and they threw out some suggestions for those who they thought should be on it and i, I talked to william about this before he got vanity fair because i wanted to look at the cover before i got upset <laughs> and um we were talking about the fact that part of the reason that i think there aren't many there's not a lot of diversity on this cover is because there's not a lot of diversity in women in hollywood right so yeah i mean you can get upset with vanity fair the whoever the person was to select these women right but i think if the the pool was larger as far as the, what selections to make and I think I think you have your mindset has to be changed by what you experience you know and right. visually if you're going to the movies and all the movies you see are mostly like I said early, to you waifish kind of white Caucasian women mm-hmm. um, then you're going to think that this is these are all the up and coming stuff this is yeah, yeah this is all you have to choose from yeah. Although 
you know, Gabori Sidibe is an up and comer. I mm -hmm. mean, this is her first film, Precious. So Where I hate to she? say it, but you know, dark skin uh, and overweight at that black yeah. woman, and she's not. I don't think, and I guess that's what I think. What bothers me more is I don't know women like this. Like the women in my life, um, first of all, have breasts, and also. I mean, we get like zits and stuff. Like right. this, this is not this is not who we are as women, even as young women. And I think that's what's bothersome because I know a lot of people and myself. There's a lot of insecurity around how to look and how to dress and how your hair should be, and this just kind of perpetuates it. This is a standard that nobody can live up to. Not all of us have hairdressers and airbrush artists that follow us around and make us look like something that we're not. Right. And so it's it's hard to think that like now, as progressive as we'd like to think that we all are, that this is still something that we're facing. And that truly talented women who don't look like this are, are being missed. And another thing for me is none of these women, I mean, they're all decent actresses. And, and Carrie Mulligan... Uh, she did a, a, an excellent job in, in education. Right. Even and Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick's, you know, she's not. So I can see, and she did a, a good job in Up in the Air. But right. these other women, I mean, Kristen, what's her name? Kristen Stewart. Yeah. She's in the Twilight movies, which are, you know, blockbuster movies. But she's not like, to me, she's not like the next Meryl Streep. No. Or, she's not crossing any boundaries. I mean, those are te those are movies for teenagers that teenagers go to see. She's a good actress. She's not. I don't put her on a pedestal as no. the the next you know maven of right. film. Right. She's, you know, you think of Helen Mirren or uh, Meryl Streep, and you think of who who's of that lineage who's going to come along and do the exact same thing. Right. Where you're just seeing one movie after another where they're just knocking you out with their chops. Right. I mean, Emily Blunt. I'd rather see her, her in this picture. Um, she has seems to have a. Kristen Stewart seems like, like a perfectly fine actress, mm -hmm. but I, I don't see a range there. No. I don't see a range with a lot of them. I mean, you're consistently seeing, seeing the same parts. Amanda Seyfried is another one who's right. on the cover. She's been in, like, every teen movie that's come out since 1999. And Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood has had a little bit more depth. Yeah. And she was in The Wrestler, right? Yeah. And she and was she in was Across the Universe and um, Running with Scissors. I mean, she's she's done some some good work but Emma Stone I mean I like Emma Stone but it's super bad right the the movie with uh, the zombie movie Zombieland Zombieland and then she was in that movie with uh, the house bunny or whatever yeah I mean that's all pretty much the same right you're not doing anything remarkable re remarkable exactly and so when I see someone like Kabore Sidibe who did do something who I'm like walked in from like her house and did you know what i mean did right. something like no book of business behind her right somebody that you you say to yourself i want to follow this person mm -hmm. and see where they they go and and i think i hate to say this but i think with gabri sadibe she'd been 100 pounds thinner she probably would have been on the cover i think that had more to I do with the fact that's that she's, true I, I do i think because that's, i think people these days have a certain idea of what they think beauty is right but I think you're more likely to see a thin black woman on the cover of a magazine than a happy black woman. Unless we're talking about like Ebony or Jet well, Magazine or something. 
Yeah, but I mean, and you said it's because she's older, she's in her 30s, Zoe Saldana, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't see why she, if Amanda Seyfried or whatever has been in the movie since the 90s. Mm -hmm. But so has Evan Rachel Wood. I mean, they've they've all had some. And Zoe Saldana is a little bit older, but if you think she did Star Trek this year, she Mm -hmm. did Avatar this year, both blockbuster films. Yeah. And she's a good actress and she's a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, um I don't see why she can't do the same kind of stuff that Halle Berry was doing ten mm-hmm. years ago. I don't either, and I don't know that she won't. I mean, she's pretty; she's become pretty ubiquitous, right? As far as what movie she's in, but you and, and you're start. I think there's starting to become a change with her. I've seen her a lot more in ads for makeup and and beauty things like that. I, I think she's becoming kind of the new Halle Berry. But even I mean, even Halle Berry. I mean, I think there's an acceptable level of color there. Halle Berry's pretty light she's, skin. Well, she's biracial, so and so. I mean, I think there's. I think. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Zoe Saldana is about the same. Right. I, I hate to get to this level, but this is how people in this country, especially, look at things. She's about the same skin tone. It's like it's an I, acceptable level of of color. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like Harry Reid makes this comment about Barack Obama about him being talking with a Negro dialect and yeah. him being light skinned and a lot of people got upset about it. Which I understand because nobody says Negro anymore. <laughs> but the truth is, there are a lot of people behind Except closed you. doors in their homes that were thinking the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Black people and white people. Right. If if uh, Barack Obama looked like Wesley Snipes, he would not be in the White House right Mm-mm. now. So, if he looked like Wesley Snipes and talked like 50 Cent, he wouldn't yeah. be in the White House right now, regardless of his pedigree. Yeah. But even if he talked like Barack Obama, if he looked like Wesley yeah. Snipes. You're right. There's, or Al Sharpton. There's he would a not certain level of... Of black that's acceptable. Right. And so I don't think Gabori Sidibe would... Just like Viola Davis, we have this kind of, I've had this conversation where I think mm-hmm. she's one of the best actresses out there. Yeah. And she doesn't get nearly as many roles as I think she should get. And when she does get a role, it's always a supporting Small. actress role. I don't the, the best friend you. role. So, yeah. And I'm not even limiting this to African-American women. There's, I mean, you think... There's probably Hispanic women out there. We see them all the time in the movies. and Well, it's the same thing with Hispanic women. There's a certain level of ethnicity that they're allowed to portray. And either they're making fun of it. Like I've seen, I've seen like J-Lo and um, what's her name? The one that you said used to look diseased, but now you think she's hot. Rosario Dawson. <laughs> it's like it's like they're considered acceptable. And they, may, they almost make fun. There's like I've seen Rosario Dawson on Saturday Night Live, and there's a, ske- a s- opening sketch that she does with Fred Armisen, where he does that um, like Spanish talk. Um, it, but it's I feel like it's sort of like pointing out the fact that they reckon like why why are we even talking about it? Right. Like that's who you are. You don't have to make a joke about it. And like even like J Lo, I mean she's. I don't know. I feel like there's like a need to point it out or a need to to address it and address the stereotypes associated with it. Right. These are beautiful women that like are very talented and we don't see them right. at all. I think once you get to the point where, uh, and maybe it's harder for women, where you make Hollywood ignore the fact that you're, and like there's an article that said Will Smith says Hollywood doesn't see black or white, it just sees green. green. Yeah. But if you think of Will Smith, he's been able to elevate himself above color. Right. I wonder if that's a tougher thing for women. As, I, think I know so. it's tough for black women, but I, I wonder if like all I think it's and I think for women it's it's not just color. I mean it's 
like look at John Goodman. Look at like some of these like strong characters that don't look like Brad Pitt or Robert Downey Jr. I mean, that's it's it's harder for women. There, there's more heavy men in romantic leads than there are in women than there are for women. Like Kevin James, I'm thinking about Hitch. Right. He totally hooks up with Amber Valletta. You're not going to see Cameron Mannheim hooking up with Jude Law in a movie anytime soon. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Like it's just that people are not willing to accept that as in a fantasy role. Like I think that's that's what it boils down to. Well, do you think Neil Long would have been in this picture ten years ago? She should have been. But do you think she would have been? Mm-mm. It's like that preview we saw for Repo Man yesterday, the woman that she was an I Am Legend. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know her, her name, either. but she seemed like she was a good actress in I Am Legend. But yeah. there, there are people like that, and you see them, and you almost, they, I mean, they really have to stand out in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they kind of get lost. And it's almost like you have to do something sensational in your personal life to be recognized. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's when, like, when you see somebody like Catherine Bigelow come along and do what she's mm-hmm. done, especially with a movie that isn't a, a female-driven. Right. I mean, the last person was uh, Sofia Coppola. Yeah. And that was more female, although Bill Murray was the star. But this is completely very kind of a testosterone-driven kind mm-hmm. of movie. So it's for kind a of a fabulous to... thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's and and for it to be um, as poignant and as un Hollywood as it was, mm-hmm. that's why we want to to just knee James Cameron exactly. in the balls, especially for making douchebag statements like "I have to pee" during his acceptance speech. Right. So, <sighs> so anyway, you think back, I think like Sigourney Weaver for a short period there because of Alien and Alien, mm-hmm. she kind of propelled herself. But even then, I guess those were the only movies that she had, really. Mm-hmm. So you, it's really. I mean, there's really like a, a standard that you have to meet before you're you're not typecast, I guess. And then a wall comes down once you hit a certain mm-hmm. age, uh, unless you're I think Meryl like Street. Meryl Streep. I mean, she's about the only one. I mean, I'm I'm proud that Sandra Bullock is doing the roles that she's doing. I mean, the proposal that right. I, I I don't I don't think ten years ago you would have seen someone over the age of forty doing a romantic lead like that and like ryan reynolds was pretty young that that was not that's not really socially acceptable right yeah so i admire her too i hope that she's around for a long time and even like helen mirren like yeah i think she's hot she is hot she's in her 60s and she's yeah getting it done Mm -hmm. so hopefully uh, this picture's offensive in just that it's not truly reflective of the the world and society that we live in right now right it's also to me it's a bit offensive because these aren't most of these actresses aren't um 10 years from now i wonder if we'll still be talking about them right the movies that they're doing the roles that they're taking most of them they're not um they don't knock me out in any kind of way i don't walk out of the theater going like i walk i saw the second twilight movie and kristen stewart's she seems like she's on sedatives (laughs) yeah she does and, and Emma Stone's a cute chick. I mean, a cute woman, but she's... <laughs> you can say cute <laughs> Yeah, chick. but she's... Uh, but she's... A, I mean, she's a girl. Like, she does girl movies. I'd like to see more from Anna Kendrick, because I think she could be... Yeah. And Anna Kendrick, to and me, isn't like a typical beauty. I know there was a part of Up in the Air that bothered you with her in it. Yeah. 
But the, and she kind of annoyed me the first time I saw it, but the second time I said, you know, I can see why she got nominated because that's kind of a tough role, especially when you're going up against Vera Farmiga and George you. Clooney. Like yeah. that's got to be a big. Got to hold your own. Yeah, yeah, big thing to walk into. But you're right. I don't think that we're going to be hearing much from these ladies in the future. It's just sad. It is sad, yeah. and it's it's kind of like. Um, discouraging i think for for women who are seeking authenticity right because this isn't authentic no and for for women that are uh dreaming of going to hollywood mm-hmm. and they look at this and they say you know i don't weigh that or i don't right you know i'm, I'm not white i'm i mean there are asian women out there. right you have so many different types of women in this country why are you just why is this all that is being reflected right basically the same look same weight same mm-hmm. same hair same eyes same makeup same, same range clothes. for most of them yeah so so come on, guys well i and i just i guess i consider like vanity fair i feel like puts an image out there that they're pretty uh like progressive and mm-hmm. kind of cutting edge like they're sort of talking about the things that other magazines aren't right. so step up do yeah. something different take a risk i realize that it's not their responsibility you know i yeah. watched a movie called America the Beautiful. It was a documentary. And the guy who um, directed it, his first name was Daryl. I can't remember his last name. But he's a a big, tall, black guy, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better description. And he goes around to all of these magazines, like Seventeen and Vogue, and talks to their editors. And there's one editor who says, you know, at the end of the day, if I wasn't doing this, I wouldn't have any money. And so she kind of, like, justified that, that, well, first she said, you know, this, this is happening in every... He, he talks to them about, why don't you have other women besides models? Why are you perpetuating this stereotype? Right. And he, he tracks the life of this. Um, her name was Garen Taylor. She came out a few years ago, and she was 12. And she was um, doing runway shows for, like, Michael Kors, Tommy Hilfiger. 12. 12 years old. Right. And so they were going around kind of asking women, like, how old do you think this, this person is? And, you know, they're all, like, 20, whatever. No, she was 12. And so he he sort of challenged these editors, why are you perpetuating that this is how women should be? This girl is 12 years old. Like, like now we're aspiring to be a 12-year-old. Right. Um, and th- first of all, she pointed out the fact that um, other magazines were doing the same thing. She's like, you know, you could walk down the street and see anyone else doing the same thing. And then the fact that, like, she didn't have – it wasn't her responsibility to sort of challenge the moral – fabric of the country right and i kind of feel like there is a responsibility there you have a lot of power in that role yes yeah. it's risky but think somebody of how many has artists to, are like that though yeah where they just want to they're giving you what you want not necessarily what you need i think you can give people what they need and still satisfy whatever desire so there, there is to be entertained or you know 20 years ago i had a you know, with you you didn't have will smith you didn't have you had one guy which was eddie murphy that kind of <laughs> kicked down a lot of doors but he was doing basically the same role over right. and over again right and then you had will smith and denzel washington come along and so for a black kid like me i'm thinking you know these guys are my heroes because mm-hmm. they're able to kind of break through the boundaries and so i don't know if we've had a minority woman do that on a consistent basis no i don't think so so i know like um what's your name from what's love got to do with it um Oh, Angela Bassett? Yeah. Yeah. She, I thought she was going to be able to to do that, but I think it's tough to just consistently get good roles Mm -hmm. that aren't 
stereotypical roles or right. typecasting. So right. we're still waiting. If there's anything that you would like to hear us talk about here on the Vagabond Exchange, you can feel free to email us at vagabondexchange at gmail.com. You can also check out our Facebook page, which is just under Vagabond Exchange on Facebook. Yep. And like we said before, we are heading to San Francisco in mid-April. So if there's anything you'd like for us to do, see, watch, experience while we're there, we're open to suggestion. We've been there before, but always are looking for new and exciting things to do. So That's hope right. to hear from you, mm-hmm. Seattle Joe. Where, where are listening. you? No, <laughs> he doesn't he's not. listen anymore. He hates us. Yep. Oh, That's Joe. okay. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't do this for anybody anymore except for you and me. And vice versa. Until somebody actually emails us or joins yeah. the Facebook. How long have we had that Facebook page? Uh, Ohio. Let's not talk about it. It's All depressing. Right. Okay. So until then, um, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Before leaving, make sure you have all of your personal belongings. Use caution when opening the overhead bins, as items may have shifted during the flight. We thank you for flying with us today. We truly appreciate your business and look forward to serving you on a future flight.